Welcome back to the Paranormal Rundown. In case you missed it, be sure to check out our last episode that covers topics ranging from crop circles to hairy hands, the Ouija board, the Loch Ness Monster, and more. It even has a tangent on our favorite authors of philosophy, fantasy, and science fiction literature. If you made it all the way to the end of episode one, then you heard the list of over 150 topics that Vic compiled for this show. While that may seem like a lot, you haven't seen anything yet. You see, Vic has a problem with this super memory recall, and he just keeps remembering all these new topics that are perfect for the show. This episode, we have our first guest, Father Michael Birdsong. Father Birdsong is the pastor of St. Michael and All Angels Church in Thomaston, Georgia, a member of the Charismatic Episcopal Church. He also serves as the chair and president for the Crisis Pregnancy Center in Thomaston, as chaplain at the Upson County Regional Medical Center, and serves on the Bishop's Council of the Diocese of the Mid-South, where he also functions as an exorcist for the diocese as needed. In addition to being in the ministry for over 30 years, Father Birdsong is a husband and a father of two, and author of the book Becoming a House of Prayer. Additional information, including contact and social media links, can be found at becomingahouseofprayer.com. As mentioned in the last episode, this was originally recorded and posted to both Southern Demonology and Trailer Trash Terror podcasts in December of last year. Be sure to check out both of those podcasts as they are full of fascinating facts, history, interviews, and stories. But all future episodes of the Paranormal Rundown will be published right here including our first new episode of 2023, coming out next week. Until then, sit back and enjoy this great interview and conversation. Psst. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Guess what I've got? I've got fresh, uncut, world-class, paranormal rundown. All you can take. How much does it cost? Well, it's it's free. Just come on in and listen. Trailer Trash Terrors. temporal humans. This is Boudreaux, the paranormally saturated cybernetic ghost from the future. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 25 of the Trailer Trash Terrors Podcast. The title of this episode is, The Good, The Bad, and The Paranormal Rundown, with our special guest, Father Michael Birdsong. How many topics did you say you had on this Excel spreadsheet? The one I've got in front of me has 1,285. My Lord, okay. We making uh, Squeezos in in a couple of months. <laughs> it is time for the rundown of the paranormal kind. Big JJ and David are going to seriously blow your mind. One guest, thousands of topics, unlimited truth, it's Paranormal Rundown time. 
Hello, this is JJ, the Ancient Evil Academic. Hi, I'm David, the absent-minded collector of odd paranormal experiences. Hello, I'm Vic Hermanson, the cyber-haunted and obsessive purveyor of useless but entertaining information. If collectively we were a bit less nerdy, we might have a collective name like the Paranormal Rundown Rangers, the Paranormal Rundown Renegades, the Paranormal Rundown Raiders. But we don't have a name like that. So let's hand it over to one of my cyber ghosts, Annabelle Lee, to tell us the rules of the rundown. All I did was put my resume on Indeed, and the next thing I know, whammo, I'm in nerd overload land. I mean, how do these guys survive without handlers? It's a mystery that may never be solved. Oh, well, here are the rules. The Paranormal Rundown allows a random number generator to select five points of discussion and analysis from an ever-growing list of thousands of paranormal, unusual, mysterious, and philosophically challenging topics. Very little is off-limits. Then, these nerds, along with their guests, choose a topic from the five possibilities to present to you, the beloved audience, in an insightful and entertaining manner. Well, at least they will try to be entertaining. I thank the quantum reality of the universe that they have an excellent guest to help in presenting these topics. Each episode involves as many topics as the guest can endure. This episode's brave, brilliant, and entertaining guest is Father Richard Birdsong. Believe me, Vic, JJ, and Dave could not possibly follow more complicated rules. Father Birdsong, thank you for your intervention, and let's get this show on the road. And how is your night going, Father Birdsong? It is going great. Uh, uh, just uh, hanging out and enjoying a little bit of time with Josh, and he's here with me and keeping me straight, so he's got a full-time job right now. <laughs> well, we thoroughly appreciate you agreeing to it to join us, because uh, yeah, we had such a good time in our last talk, and I was really looking forward to tonight, so thank you, sir. Absolutely. Well, I got to tell all you guys, when I heard the first uh, podcast you did, uh, that's when I wrote in the comments, hey, I got to be a part of this. These guys, <laughs> I love them. Uh, y'all are right up my alley. I love this stuff. Excellent. Excellent. As Father Birdsong, JJ, Dave, and Vic appear to finally be ready, I, Boudreaux, the reign of random numbers, and Sultan of Stochastic Chance, will now choose the first set of exciting and fascinating topics. Hidden Treasures Wow. Egyptian artifacts in the Americas, truly secret superweapons, moon and Mars structures, curses, jinxes, evil mm. eye. Mm. 
I like all five of those. I do so too. I'm you know, give it last night. How about moon and Mars structures? There you go. Moon and Mars structures. Okay. And we just oh, had the. Uh, we just had the. How can we pass up jinxes and curses? Oh well, I well, hey, I was uh, uh, I was thinking about that in myself, jinxes and curses, but you well, know. I have no preference. You guys uh, duke it out. <clears throat> well, let's just can we break the rules for once? We yeah. can go for both. Sure, yeah, sure. Well, sounds we'll, great. Yeah, there's that's no a great need. way to start. Let's just break them yeah. right off the bat. Break there them you go. The yeah. Hey, hey. <laughs> All right, so we're going with jinxes and curses. And what else now? Followed by moon and uh, Mars structures. Was that right? right? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, we just had the uh, the lineup last night, and and of course the blood moons too. Don't oh, even right. get me. Yeah, don't even right. get me started on that. But anyway. <laughs> We can we can we can talk all kind of superstition when it, oh I, I need to hush all already I'm pretty I'm, I'm much I'm probably much better at the moon Mars stuff than the there curses and jinxes so JJ why don't you start with the curses and jinxes all right so I can actually talk about this from two separate perspectives the first can be found in classical Ethiopic where you find the concept of the evil eye very predominantly. And the interesting part is that the word for evil eye is Buddha. Anyone care to take a guess where that might have originated from? I'm just going to guess Buddha. That would be correct. Mm-hmm. It was a, See, it's, it's that genius IQ I've got. That's here. right. Because <laughs> there was a, a major bout of discrimination against Buddhists in, uh, in Ethiopia at the time. But, yeah, so the Buddha is one of the worst things that can befall a person. And it's one of numerous different... Um, things that are being protected against in these magical Deptera scrolls that usually pregnant women wear around their neck, uh, but can be extended to almost anybody. Uh, the vast majority of the scrolls that I have translated and read are primarily meant to protect against Barya, Legawan, which are the two serpents locked in eternal conflict, swallowing each other's tails, i.e. Ouroboros, uh, but also Shotalai, which is a race of baby-killing demons. Ooh. Very akin to Lamashtu from ancient Mesopotamia. What do the scrolls have within them that protects against, protects against the Shotalai? Ah, so... When Christ said, I give authority uh, to, over demons to you, the classical Ethiop- well, the Ethiopic Orthodox Church took that extremely seriously. And they have adopted a framework where it's not only Christ was the Messiah, but he was also the most powerful magician who ever lived. Right. So, uh, and what they do is these priests, these Deptera, who usually die in the most 
horrendous of ways. They will perform ceremonies where they take a goat, they ritualistically slaughter it, they then take a uh, Solomaic seal of eyes, they will uh, lure a demonic spirit out with wine and two eggs, typically, mm-hmm. capture the demonic spirit, and then prepare a scroll from the goat skin and scribe the spell onto it, uh, which is then worn around the neck. And the scroll is specifically designed to... Um, JJ, didn't those scrolls, wouldn't they like a, a, a sealing scroll which sealed the pact as well? Uh, not kind of, because uh, what the do the scrolls they bind a demon binding yeah inside of it, and then it utilizes that demon's power in order to fulfill God's will. So they're walking around with a captured demon hanging around their neck. Correct. Yes, and the demon is acting as a battery. Exactly. And and. If I uh, do, you guys mind if I open a can of worms? Well, we expect you to open cans of worms. <laughs> <laughs> we like know, it. That's a that's an old Southern saying, by the way. Opening a can of worms. Oh yeah. But uh, but if you if you take what JJ is saying and it's absolutely correct, but also uh, the evil eye part which goes on right along with that, and I will uh, adhere to JJ on most of this. However, but a lot of this, and in me being from the South, I'm probably going to be very unliked right now, but a lot of that is also found in the Masonic Lodges these days. Really? Absolutely. Well, well, talk talk about that, please. Well, of course, you know, you have the, the, the evil eye. You know, and that is the first and foremost uh, sign and symbol of the Masonic Lodge. And it all starts in the uh, Egyptian Ethiopic era. And over the years, uh, it has just formed since then. And there's a lot of signs and symbols of these. um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? of the Egyptian gods, so to speak, in the history of the Masons that we don't see today, but they go right along with the signs and symbols of the Christian church. And, uh, I mean, that's just a, that's just a little um, throw-in part right there when it starts talking about the sealing of the scrolls as well as the evil eye. And it just goes right along with uh, today and what we see in the Masons. But the Masons, by the way, let me just go ahead and throw this in there. A lot of the lower level of the Masons don't know anything about this. They believe that it is a quote-unquote Christian uh, fraternity, so to speak, but it really isn't. That's a whole nother podcast, by the way. <laughs> That's probably several podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> did did <laughs> you know that I'm a Mason? Oh, wow. Well, then you probably know a lot of what I'm talking about then. I can't really go into a whole lot of details about exactly. it, but 
Yeah, it, it's fun. Uh, <laughs> it's <anyway>. fun. <laughs> let me let me jump in here. Um, and David, forgive me if I stepped on your toes or anything. No. But this is, like I say, an area that I don't really know a lot about. But my understanding is that the, the concept of the evil eye is pretty much universal in every culture across the world. Uh, and it seems to me also that a lot of times it's directed at people who are having good things happen in their lives. So women are very reluctant to sit on the streets. I'm pregnant and I'm happy because that will attract the evil eye. Yeah. Or am I just talking out of, am I, am I just talking ridiculously there? No, no, not whatsoever. Cause that's, that's very true. I mean, it's, it really, it can be traced all the way back to Mesopotamia, where you have these very capricious entities that, as Irving Finkel, which who is a phenomenal seriologist, by the way, is very fond of saying that um, the gods like to play, and so you can't really depend upon them 24-7 for protection. And so you have to kind of augment that with uh, some magic uh, in order to make sure that you're not attracting the wrong kind of attention. True. I have read studies. When I say the word studies, sometimes I, I take these kind of with a grain of salt of people being able to sense when someone is staring at them from behind (laughs) someone who's someone who's not someone whom they are not aware of visually. Uh, I know I can do it. Uh, You know, I've had that happen to me many, many times in my life when I'm aware that somebody is staring at me, but where I'm trying to go with this is the whole idea of a curse. Mm. And I mean, everybody on this line is human, I'm assuming. And I tend to think that no human really has any type of innate power that would allow them to curse another human, although I haven't always felt that way. So if if a curse is cast from one human to another, where does the power for that curse come from? Well, you... Uh... I'm just going to jump in there for just a little bit because I was going to use one of my privileges earlier and go back to one of your uh, earlier podcasts about doors. That was a very interesting uh, uh, topic that you guys came up with last time. But when it comes to curses and placing curses, it just goes back to the root word that you just said, curse. You are placing a curse or a damning word upon someone else or upon their life in their thought, their word, in their deed. And uh, uh, JJ, feel free to jump in at any time on this. But however, the from a scriptural point of view, um, the, the Bible tells us that there's life and death in the power of the tongue. And also the scripture tells us that I have set heaven and earth as a witness against you that this day that you will choose life or choose death. And by our words, we are able to 
portray blessings upon someone in their life or to speak evil. Now, if I'm going to place a curse on someone, I have to be aligned with the quote unquote father of curses. Hmm. If I if I am going to uh, uh, portray blessings upon someone, I have to be that of the opposite, right? And it just boils down once again to you have the kingdom of heaven and you have the kingdom of hell. One promotes blessings. One promotes cursings. Does that make sense to you? Makes perfect sense. Yep. So, so if I say, damn you, I am speaking of what Christ would say. You are speaking from your father, the devil or the God of this world. If I am saying blessings to you, I am speaking of God or the kingdom of heaven. Can anybody here <clears throat> discuss excuse me, what they feel to be a, a genuine curse upon humans, upon states, upon football teams, whatever? <clears throat> because I can think of a few curses that were made by... Well, isn't there a, a curse of Tecumseh? Well, first and foremost, the, 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 when it comes to curse, any curse, regardless of what it is, whether it be sickness, disease, mm-hmm. or, or whatever name that you want to put on it, mm-hmm. it has to do with death. Plain and simple, first, last, death. Because I mean, I mean, uh, well, you could ask the question: Just people suffer of curses of sickness, yes. But what's the end root or the end route? Death, uh, poverty. What's the end route? Death. Now that's just from a point of view from me, but I would like to hear what everybody else has got to say about that. David, well, we it's have certainly your suffering, voice no matter what. Exactly. Um, I have seen – so we had a conversation on Discord not too long ago about curses, and and it fascinates me um, the idea that these things can be real, right? That, that you could feel uh, direct results of a curse not even knowing about it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and that's scary to me. It is right? very scary. But I have seen once um and I don't know if it was a curse or a spell of some sort or something, but I knew someone who I watched it on their arm. They had writing appear on their arm. Wow. Okay, and this writing was it looked like uh, the only thing that I could, from a frame of reference, and you know, uh, JJ would have, I'm sure, picked it up right away. But those uh, those bowls with the uh, spells written on them in in Aramaic. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What are the what do they call those, JJ? The uh, water bowls. Water. Yeah. Yeah. So where they should trap a spirit you know, in it and they bury it or whatever. It looked like that type of writing, the oh, really? same sort of letter structures to it. Now it, it was only like five symbols. 
Somebody was about to have a bad day. Yeah. So uh, I have seen that. And the only thing that I could think that would make that happen is some sort of curse or somebody casting something against someone. And it was it was spooky. Right. I mean, it definitely did not feel right. But I've not known anybody else personally where, you know, a curse was was involved that, you know, for sure. But the the idea that it could happen and that you could go through all kinds of troubles in your life uh, as a result of something you're not even aware of. That, Mm -hmm. to me, scares me. Well, I I remember listening to the interview of the head priestess of the Church of Satan back on Art Bell's show. Mm. And she would frequently talk about going into the ritual chamber and casting a spell of destruction upon her enemies. Wow. And the way that she so glibly put that sent chills down my spine. Whether yeah. there's anything to that or not, I, I can't attest to anything. I have no idea. But it's just like it's another Monday, right? Well, I'm going to go in here and cast a, a curse on somebody. <laughs> right. Because, uh, Monday you, you have. Know, it's, Monday you that's have what I do at 11 on Mondays. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Staff meeting, very- we check timesheets, and we have a cursing session. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, here's another aspect of this. Uh, you know, we've, we've set up this sort of investigation channel JJ set up on the server, and we're listening to this episode of another podcast and this the history that these people are going through their activity began if you listen to their podcast with almost a whispering around them Mm. like uh, it was coming from all directions and that was the night of their first activity that occurred Um, and it makes me wonder if that activity wasn't a result or initiated by some sort of curse that is now stuck with them over time and compounded. Well, I've got a few other things I would, because there's a few different other concepts about curses that I can point to. Um, but I don't want to like dominate this conversation. If someone else wants to jump in first, then I'll, I'll I can bookend. Well, maybe maybe I can open the door for JJ on on this. Uh, w- when it comes to curses, there's 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 two aspects of that that we need to realize. If let's just say I'm am a witch doctor or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's very easy for me to make a sacrifice or something, uh, just like you talked about at 11 a.m. on Monday. This is my job. I'm going to sacrifice a chicken and spew his blood all over the place and put a curse on someone, right? Well, on the other side of the coin, for someone to fall under a curse, they don't have to have a curse put on them by someone else. They can walk unknowingly into a curse by their actions as well, uh, just by being at the wrong place at the wrong time. Yes, and and that's that is very see see people. Now that it, does not seem fair. 
Well, no, it does well, not. Well, <laughs> well you, you are absolutely correct. It is not fair. But however, we in this in this time and era uh, that we live in, unfortunately, uh, a lot of people do a lot of stupid things, you know. And I mean, we play with tarot cards. We play with Ouija boards. We we go and entertain um, satanic churches just for the heck of it. We 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 go sit out in the middle of cemeteries and and try to talk to dead people. Well, it you know, stupid actions gain stupid results, right? Correct. And so you are opening the doors for yourself to be placed under a quote-unquote demonic curse. So and opportunistic. I don't know what you're talking about, Father Birdsong. I've never done oppor- anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of us has, right? <laughs> but, 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 I mean, you know, opportune times, if you just happen to be at the right place, I mean, you can do it sometime and not be affected at all. Yeah, so I, I, but that I, one time, you're, you, might, you might get I totally like a, get the idea that you have actions you perform in your life that may open a door. Exactly. Um, and and to your point, you know, I mean, I do paranormal investigations. I know that that is a possible entry point into my life for problems. That is exactly. something that, exactly. that it, it, I have to be aware of. Um, now, let me make one, that, one interjection real quick. Sure. A novice does not need to play around with this. And from oh, yeah. what I can say, you're not a novice. Okay. No. So let, let me let me let me get that straight. No, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, it is the the less experienced. Of course, you got to get your experience somehow. But it, <laughs> hello, uh, yeah. Uh, but there are risks, and 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 I think I I've mentioned that before. There are risks to to investigating. That's one of them. But the idea now that you haven't done anything. And you could walk into a sort of trap for a curse. Mm-hmm. That bothers me more. So if you've done something, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, addiction for drugs or alcohol or, uh, you know, witchcraft, something like that, that potentially opens a door, I totally get it. But it does worry me the idea that, you know, you're just walking along the street and, you know, you pick up a curse like a, a bad cold, and uh, yeah. well, that is that is the most <clears throat> common trope that you will find in Japanese horror. Yes, you yeah. walk along, you pick up an, a red ring, or you pick up a shoe or an umbrella, and that becomes a focal point for a particular curse. Exactly. Uh, you find that all the time. Now, going to Japanese is really interesting for two different reasons. The first is, have you ever heard of the G? It is the, the G. The G is an onomatopoeic sound yeah. that is done when people are casting an evil eye upon someone who is doing something wrong. Mm, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. can be on a train, you can be in a supermarket, doesn't matter where. And someone like for example, a woman puts on makeup or a man begins to eat something on a train. Those are two giant no-nos. And almost as one, 
everyone on that train will pivot their head and stare at that individual. Wow. Wow. I have done it myself. And it's you just get a instant sense of, oh, my gosh, someone is breaking the rules. And everyone then participates in the public shaming of that person by staring at them. And the sound, G, is what everyone hears Ooh. in their head as they are doing it. And it is freaky. So, so that's kind of like that's kind of like the old saying of getting the evil lie then, right? It it really is. Uh, and then in Japanese, you have actually two different types of curses. You have the word noroi, which just means curse, and that typically more means like magic based curses. Uh, almost if you think back uh, to like Hondors and Bokors of uh, voodoo. But then you have another word, was, which is a tatati, and it's the more frightening version of a curse because it is a probably a corruption of the more ancient word uh, tachiati. Uh, I covered both of this in an episode, uh, but tachiati is it literally means a manifestation of a deity, and if you ever run across a deity you're probably not going to be having a good time. And Tatati now means more akin to curse or being haunted. And this is exactly if you happen to pick up a strange object and it happens to have a curse attached to it, then you are now officially affected by Tatati. You have the cheese touch. I remember one time when I was a seminary student and, um, uh, I was I was young and stupid, but anyway, I was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and we had gone to uh, the French Quarter area, and I wandered off, not knowing where I'm going, into a place where I didn't belong, and um, and I had on collar clerics, all that, you know, as a young seminary student walking through this area, and then all of a sudden, I realized, okay, I don't belong here. I got physically and emotionally sick. Where were you? I uh, I was in the French Quarter, and I found myself walking through like a witchcraft area. Yep. And and I was so sick that I had to sit down for a moment, and then something told me you got to get out of here. Hmm. And soon as I got out of there, I was fine again. So, you know, light and darkness doesn't play fair with one another. And and when you find yourself in the wrong place where you don't belong, just as JJ was saying, you if you may be breaking the rules somewhere where you don't need to be and you just had a bad day, you know, and opened yourself something up to where you don't need to Beef. That describes just about every trip I have taken with my wife. <laughs> okay, she always looks at me as we as all of a sudden the everything gets quiet as we're driving through. It's just like you take me to the worst places everywhere we go. <laughs> it's a gift. 
Are, oh. you, are you sure you're not listening to conversations with my wife? <laughs> I'm actually thinking the same thing, and I'm glad my wife's in another room right now because she'd be looking at me, giving me the evil eye. <laughs> I want to bring it personal, if you guys don't mind. Okay. <clears throat> well, first off, I've been in two places in my life where I felt, I guess, what you were feeling there in the French Quarter. Yes, sir. Th- this feeling of... Um, Man, I need to get out of here now. Just, and it was totally there was no logic to it. It was just my my mind, my endorphins, my hormones, everything in my body was telling me get out now. Mm-hmm. And when you feel something that strongly, um, it's my feeling that you ignore that feeling very much at your own risk. Correct. Agreed. <clears throat> very much at your own risk. And, and I would never go back to those places. Um, now, one of the places that I went was uh, a um, <clears throat> a relative of someone very close to me. Um, and I found out later that he was a multiple murderer. Wow. Um, and I am fairly certain that whatever energy he carried with him in terms of being a multiple murderer... Uh, came home with him, mm-hmm. and and I I assume that's what I felt. Mm-hmm. Okay, now this is very personal, and probably before I started Trailer Trash Terrors and started talking about all these things, I would never have shared it with anyone. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to reference my father, who was a very different person from the time I was, let's say, five to twelve, and the time that I became adult, an adult. He had a a great many demons, the main one being alcohol. Mm -hmm. And when I was a child, I would see my father's behavior, Mm -hmm. which when he was drunk was monstrous, horrible, abusive. Uh, Whatever category you want to put it in, it, it was. And something inside of me told me I don't want to behave like that. Right. I don't want to I don't want that to be what I'm made out of. And the feeling that I had at that time was that my father was doing something mentally to change me, to make me to where I would accept myself behaving in that manner, which was a pretty dang uncomfortable situation for a little kid to be in. And I can remember trying to talk to my mother about it. I can remember talking, trying to talk to uh, Pastor Juror about it, Juror, and nobody even understanding what I was trying to talk about. Um, And later on, I kind of grew out of it. And I, if such a thing existed, I don't think it worked. But I sure do remember that feeling of mental psychic attack. Uh, and I guess that's really as far as that story goes. You know, I lived with someone in the past who had a, a, a problem with alcohol. And when I would come home, and this is a long time ago, but uh, I would come home and I could feel the mood that they were in when I would walk in the front door. And 
they were nowhere around. Mm-hmm. Right? They were in a, a you know a different part of the house, their own room, office, whatever. And I could tell, just you know, and it would, each day was different, but there was a feeling that I could have. I could know the mood that they were in when I came in the door. And it makes you wonder when you have these type of, of issues, whether it's alcoholism, addiction, or severe personality problems or what, how much potential influence, whether you're feeling a psychic vibe from them or whether something around them – and I would never really thought about this before – but something around them – that potentially influence them in that behavior and you're feeling that. Did you well, ever notice anything like that with your father? I have. I, I'll be honest. I, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry, Father Birdsong. I'm going to shut up in just a second. No, Look, no. I, I, don't, I don't know. All I know is that something inside of me said mental psychic danger. I didn't even really know yeah. the word psychic at that yeah. time coming from my father and I I developed all kinds of things that I felt would be protective mostly prayers and uh, mm-hmm. you know repeating things and you know how kids think about magic stuff you know if you if I can step on the next five cracks in the concrete then my dad won't be able to hurt me well I don't I certainly don't want this to turn out into a like a counseling session but there there's one thing that I should interject. <laughs> Uh, when it comes to alcoholism, uh, and and let's get back to curses, the thing, the the curses of alcoholism. One thing that we got to understand, I I like the two of you went through this with my own father. Now I have nothing against drinking alcohol, but 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 why are we doing it, and and what's the heart motive in it? Okay, uh, I mean, my Lord, one of the first miracles Jesus performed was turning water into wine right for a marriage mm-hmm. feast and they were all having a good time okay now uh I, but on the lines of alcoholism one thing that we have to remember that whenever we drink alcohol whatever motive is in the heart that is which is going to come out very important to understand whatever's in the heart is going to come to light and it's going to come out i mean that's why you ever heard someone saying when they uh they uh they get drunk they get loose lips or their underwear fall off you you understand what i'm saying (laughs) 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 but uh but but see but see that's so true and 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 when we see it with people that um have a hard time in life if, if they're suffering from depression or anxiety or anxiety or some kind of mental, mental illness and they're drinking alcohol that's going to exacerbate that and whatever is within them those feelings that they're dealing with that's going to come out and it's going to it's, it's, it's going to affect our uh, their families oh absolutely and that's and that's why uh you uh you, you 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 gave yourself this inward vow, so to speak. I will never do this. 
That was well, pretty much it. Yes. Uh, well, we we, we got to be careful in saying that too, because <laughs> as soon as we say I will never do this, mm-hmm. we're setting ourselves up to fail. And, and then when we fail or we mess up, we're going to beat the snot out of ourselves. And so that that goes that goes right back to curses. We're actually placing a curse upon ourselves. Okay, I messed up. Now I'm going to feel bad. Oh, okay. That's just something to think about. Well, I don't drink anything. I haven't. I mean, I, I guess communion wine. But <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but even that's been off the menu since COVID came along. <laughs> we're 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 uh, still going strong with communion wine, so you can come see me. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, you're right, though. If if you develop that feeling in your mind that you can't fail and being mm-hmm. a human and do fail, then there are psychological payments to be made for that. That's right. That's right. JJ. Oh, someone said father Bertong. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I made a podcast, um, stealing some, some old footage from the art bell show talking about this woman who called herself harlot. Okay. Oh, gracious. And um, she was openly, you know, I am evil. It is my position in life. It is my choice in life to be as evil as I can possibly be, to bring as much destruction, to bring as much pain, to bring as much turmoil into the world as I can. <clears throat> and Wow, can you say the whore Babylon? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. My God. And, and she talked specifically about she had had a child that had been murdered by her husband and the thing that she found that brought her peace and happiness in that is that she had arranged a series of curses on this child prior to the child's death Mm. that would assure that 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 child would go to hell and and she was looking forward to the time when she died because then she could be reunited with her child. Mm. And uh, I mean, she's one of the more astounding people that I've ever heard. And I remember listening to her the first time and thinking, this has got to be a put on, but man, when someone maintains that for five hours straight with no chinks in the armor, I finally came to believe that she was real. Well, uh, I, I, I do have to say that I have heard stories like that many times before, and and it is very real, and it is real big in the satanic community. To to I mean I mean my my God, guys, we have people in the church. Now I got to be very careful in saying this, but we have people even in the church that are raising up um, uh, women from sex trafficking to have babies to actually sacrifice them on the altar to Satan for that purpose. Uh, But it it also, and I would like JJ to really jump in on this one uh, because I can't think of the name of it, but there is a, there is a Japanese, um, um, Oh, practice 
JJ, help me out. What's 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 the name of it? That to where they actually groom children and have children born for for this purpose. I don't know, actually, Josh. Um. It it uh it, it kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier, JJ, um, about the about the two, and I'm thinking about the second one. What what was the name of it? Um. At any rate, that that's no problem. Josh is looking it up right now, but but yes, that is very real, and uh, uh, children are being born to sacrifice unto christ and um that's that's one of the main points uh about this woman and others like her that are such uh big time um advocates for abortion to sacrifice children in the womb and then dedicate them to satan and then in hopes of being reunited with them in the afterlife to play havoc on the world well, what they don't realize is, is I'm sorry. Once, once someone's dead, they're dead. Uh, you're not going to be reunited with anything except a demon in your future. Well, I find that more comforting. Yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> personally. So, well, gentlemen, we've been going on this one for a while. Uh, does anybody have anything they'd like to use as a closing statement? Or I've got one last thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is actually going back to Evil Eye specifically. Has anyone here ever watched the series of films called uh, Dabe? I have not. No. I have. It's good, uh, especially the first one. Surprisingly, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was really impressed. So they make... Uh, so it's all set in a Turkish flavor of Islam. Okay. And they make the argument that the Eye of Horus, which is mm-hmm. a very common artifact that you will find in a lot of households in Turkey, is actually a physical representation of the evil eye and will invite evil into your life. Right. Um, actually had a, a guest come on and talk about some of that because uh, he was a, uh, a Turkish Muslim. And yeah, it, it was just a, a fascinating concept to me. Yeah, that was the episode talking about the jinn, right? Correct. Yeah. Yep. The JJ, eye of Horus, that's the symbol with the little curly cue coming down from the bottom of the eye. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. JJ, what was the name of that? Uh, Dabe, D-A-B-B-E. I think you can find that still on Netflix. I will check that out tonight, then. I'll check that out. But Thank yes, you. I am now spent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, I have nothing for, further to say. Thank you for listening to my childhood fear. Uh, hey, it it was great, and I and I immensely enjoy the time with you guys. And I'm sorry I took up so much of your time. No, no, you. You're not <clears throat> That's all right. We'll just limit you later on. Yeah, yeah, there we'll you go. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. I I was hoping y'all would invite me back. Well, <laughs> and a, listen to someone else next time instead of me rambling on. 
It's a standing invitation as far as I'm concerned. I, absolutely. I appreciate but, uh, it. Vic, I, I, I really appreciate you sharing what you did because yeah, although I didn't grow up in a household that was haunted by alcohol, my mom and my grandmother did. My grandfather was a truly evil SOB wow. who murdered uh, my great uncle, um, he committed untold atrocities on our family. He was a preacher. Uh, wow. He drank all the donation money. Uh, he was he was just sheer evil, and he inflicted <clears throat> such psychic damage upon the older members of my family that they still have not recovered. Wow! And J- they may never recover. Exactly. JJ, uh, Josh just handed me something, by the way, about what I was talking about in the, uh, and I, and I'm sorry, I said Japanese, but it's Chinese. Okay. And it's Hito Bashira. And Hito that, Bashira. It, it's, uh, well, it says it was practiced formerly in Japan. As a form of human sacrifice, a person was buried alive under or near large-scale buildings like dams, bridges, castles. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. And that is Japanese. Hito actually means person. Okay, uh, and that that is a practice, and, and you actually will find that uh, even in more modern construction, there was a bridge in which there were some accidents that took place, and the bodies were buried in the pillars of the bridge. That's and right. That is to warn off uh, the uh, the avenging spirits of those who died. And so okay. what you're saying is, if I go to Japan, I need to avoid construction sites. And all bridges, <laughs> yes. And, and bridges. You need know, <laughs> uh, to probably avoid the, the Sunshine 360 building, which is <laughs> one of the most haunted skyscrapers in the world. Because wow. Well, I don't know was, about that. It was built on uh, the former execution ground for prisoners. I have been there. It is a very, very interesting place. (laughs) Now, that sounds like my kind of location. So, you know, but if they're not pouring any footers, I'm okay, right? Exactly. Well, when when we meet up in Japan, we might just have to take a trip to um, uh, Ikebukuro. Sounds great to me. Awesome. Well, I've. I've been in Tokyo. That's Tokyo, and then where I can get on the train from Tokyo are the only places I've been in Japan. But uh, I'd love to do something like that. Do you know what I like best about Tokyo? Is when you, I would get up really early in the morning and go running. And there are all these little pocket parks in Tokyo. Oh, yeah. Cohen. Yeah, it's just something. There's a little, you know, part of a block they haven't built on, and somebody's gone in there and planted trees and benches and all this kind of stuff. And almost every day at six in the morning, there would be these old men in there doing some kind of. I'm sure it was ritualistic of some kind, but they were they had a cup, uh, and they were drinking from this cup. But it was not just like you're drinking a drink. It's like they would hold it in two hands and then think and meditate or pray and then drink and then repeat that like a ceremony type like of a ceremony kind ritual of thing. type thing um and i just got i just became really fascinated with watching these men do that cool and hmm. I, didn't, I didn't have enough japanese to go ask them what they were doing 
<laughs> it sounds like something like, like a tea ceremony. It does, yeah. Okay, do you know how in a really, really good restaurant, when um, you get finished with the soup, they, they bring you like a little slice of lemon or something? Right. As a uh, palate cleanser? Uh, well, I'm going to uh, execute executive privilege and say I'm going to cleanse the palate here just for a minute. And specifically for Father Birdsong, the, I took our amazing facts list and just searched on the word curse. Uh-huh. And it says, it comes up one time out of 1,800 or so amazing facts. One fact comes up, and that is Pink Floyd's money has the first curse word that was regularly played on the radio. (laughs) Well, I'll make sure I go listen to money here in just a little bit. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) And then before we go to the... uh, to the next topic, I'm just going to, if nobody minds, I'm going to go through these uh, amazing facts just because I find them fun. Anybody mind? No, no not go at all. For it. Okay, amazing fact one. The fastest recorded speed a person has ever gone on a bike is 167.043 miles per hour. How in the world? All I can think of is <clears throat> just almost straight downhill with... You know, some kind of cowling or something. And a bunch of weights on your back. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A car pushing you along. (laughs) Mass equals velocity. Well, I don't know if any of you guys are old old enough, but uh, it kind of reminds me of Steve Austin, an astronaut. The uh, Uh, $6 million man? man? Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) yeah. He might have done it. (laughs) Remember that sound whenever he was doing something? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if I I ever build a robot, they're going to make that sound when they walk. There you go. I don't feel quite so old anymore. (laughs) Okay, amazing fact two. The Pope can't be an organ donor. Wow. Um, Benedict XVI was issued an organ donor card in 1970. Once he ascended to the papacy in 2005, the card was invalid, reports the Telegraph. According to the Vatican, the Pope's entire body must be buried intact because his body belongs to the Universal Catholic Church. Wow. Okay. Which I did not know that. Hey, I've got one off your list here, Vic. Yeah, you do it. Yeah, that's, that's appropriate for, for Father Bird's song here. Uh-huh. A large percentage of the budget for Monty Python and the Holy Grail was donated by members of Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd. Awesome. I knew I loved that movie. And Pink Floyd. <laughs> I knew I loved that movie. <laughs> for those who are not familiar with what we're talking about, uh, right before the show, I get an email from Father Birdsong saying, I'm just getting into the right headspace for the podcast and listening to Floyd. And yeah, and I wrote back and said, I knew I liked you. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, I I love it. (laughs) Father Birdsong, do you feel like you are being uh, treated properly and everything's going? Absolutely. I just I just hope I get an invite again soon. <laughs> I love this. Did Vic Hermanson actually say paranormal rundown rangers? I have an alternative suggestion. Did you notice that the first thing the paranormal rundown rejects did was discard the rules? 
I suppose Vic Hermanson's character flaws are necessarily shared by other humans. They have left me with nothing to do. However, I like that electronic chance will sound so much, I'm playing it again anyway. Okay, so, I guess we move on to moon and Mars structures. Absolutely. Uh, I'll start that one. Um, does anybody remember remember Richard Hoagland? Mm, oh, the name, name rings a bell. Okay, Richard Hoagland was a – he was actually a serious science scholar, like a science historian. Uh, and I think he probably had a pretty good science background. But he was the – space advisor, science advisor to Walter Cronkite. And some years later, he started embracing, some years later, he started embracing these um, really, really weird ideas. Like the moon is covered with um, these miles high glass structures. And when Apollo, when the Apollo missions landed, if you look really, really carefully, you can see these glass structures back there in the, in the far background. And he also was the guy who championed the face on Mars. Oh, the, I know that one. That's probably where I've heard his name. <laughs> the face on Mars. And of course he had a, a whole mythology and a whole you know set of stories concerning this face on Mars. And then the, the interesting thing to me was when they finally got better resolution, well, the, the face kind of disappears um, and then he insisted that it was really the face of a cat. Mm. And, and so he was very – so what was interesting about that to me was that he did not abandon his previous belief. He just adjusted that belief to coincide with the new information. To fit the current evidence. To fit the current evidence. Well, the only ice ice uh, spikes I've ever seen in space was on Armageddon when they landed on the asteroid. So this is, that's beyond me. Well, I you know I I like the the topic uh, uh, especially for the moon just because of the Artemis launch last night. So you know I watched that out in my backyard. That's <laughs> a fast moving rocket, man. That was right. really cool looking. Um, although I could only see parts of it because of the clouds. But uh, pretty stoked to see it going back to the moon and checking it out. And, and I'm hoping that we learn a lot more about it. Uh, you know, once we get there, there's much more available to the public. I think the moon is fascinating for two reasons. One, there's all these theories uh, about it being hollow. Um, mm-hmm. There are. And wow. two, the fact that and you know i don't i'm not an astronomer and i don't understand orbits all that well but that my understanding is is that we're always seeing the same face of the moon that it actually rotates around at the same rate that it rotates in its orbit on the earth so we never see the other side of the moon well that's called that's called called tidal locking and it's not exact there is this little wiggle Right. Um, throughout the month called libration. So we see a few degrees to the west, a few degrees to the east, but you're essentially right. We, we see the same face of the moon all the time. 
well, which I just definitely go supports the idea that it's a satellite and not a, an actual moon. It's a hollow structure that's flying <laughs> around us and observing us. That's all I'm saying. That's all you're saying. I just go back to that Pink Floyd is of God, man. I mean, we'll see you on the dark side of the moon. That's right. Have have you seen the the photos of the of the far side of the moon since it's not dark, but <clears throat> and how different it looks from the side that we can see? Oh yes, I haven't. the uh, The first photos were actually taken by a Russian uh, spacecraft that went and did essentially a fax of the of the image that it captured. And now with the most recent uh, Chinese rover that was deployed, Chang something, I think its title was. Anyway, um, it, yeah, it, it captures uh, that side in much more higher resolution. Thank goodness. It, it's fascinating. It's very rugged looking. Well, let me ask you guys a question, please. Where did the old argument come from? And uh, like I said, you guys may not be old enough to remember it. But the old argument, did we really land on the moon? You know, some oh. people some people are adamant that we never landed on the moon. <laughs> I'm like, what world do you live in, folks? Come on. Well, I can talk about that for hours. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was all done in Hollywood, man. I mean, you know, come on. I've Have seen the always. set. Have you, you ever, go. <laughs> have y'all ever seen the show Adam Ruins Everything? Yes, yeah, no. I saw that once, yeah. It's fantastic. Adam Conover is brilliant, but they did an entire episode just based upon, you know, the, the amount of technology that would have to be available to achieve what was actually done if they truly <clears throat> tried to fake it. It's oh, wow. mind-blowing. And, yeah, there's no way it was ever faked. Adam ruins. I'm writing that down. Uh, JJ, you keep giving me stuff to watch, man. <laughs> That's a neat show. I've seen it. I'll give you another thing. I'll give you two other things to watch. In fact, I'll if um, if you can give JJ your your email address. He's can, got it. He's okay, got it. We won't send it out over the air. I'll send you some of these things. And awesome. Um, <clears throat> are you on the Discord server? Uh, my son is. What's your okay. name, Josh? Yeah, he's Josh B something. Josh B ninety three. Yeah, Josh B ninety three. But, um, well, uh, the first guy who started talking about talking loudly about the moon landing never occurring was a guy named Bill Casing, and Bill Casing is a, a a writer. He was a technical writer for one of the aerospace companies, and. Okay, so wait a second. Just got word that we're getting echoing. So I'm thinking the echoing has to do with how loud I'm talking. So I'm going to move my mic just a little farther away and see if that does anything. But anyway, he came out with this book. I think the book was We Never Went to the Moon. And so he, there are a couple of things that I find really interesting in all this. He started putting together all these pieces of evidence that were really just poor understanding of the science. Okay. So talking things like, uh, well, you don't see any stars. Well, no, you don't see any stars because you've got to have your 
camera set to not wash out the things that are in front of you. If I turn the camera where it can see stars, then you don't get to see Neil. And it was more important for them to see Neil Armstrong. But <clears throat> this has gone on for a long, long time. And I, I, what I've been surprised about is how long it has gone on. The uh, the the current well, there are a lot of these guys, but um, what was that guy's name who got punched out by Buzz Aldrin? Um, <laughs> you, oh, I know you. That sounds like now. a great story right there. Uh, yeah, Bart, there. Well, I have a whole podcast about that. Bart Sabrell. Um, he, a friend of mine who was one of the few female engineers at NASA, uh, was working in Louisiana at the testing facilities there, Michoud. And she wrote a book later on called something happened, something funny happened on the way to the moon. And she published it and, you know, maybe sold 1200 copies. And then Bart Sabrell comes along and steals that title. Wow. Now I know you can't really copyright a title, but if you knew Sarah, I mean, it's like the world's sweetest little old lady stealing her title was dirty pool. (laughs) And it made made me mad. (laughs) And and so Bart is a very, very unusual and I don't think entirely stable kind of guy. Uh, So he accosted Buzz Aldrin uh, in front of some building and started saying things like, I want you to swear on this Bible that you went to the moon. Well, I know you're not going to do it because you're lying. You're a liar. You're a lying liar. It's a pot calling the kettle black. And he just kept going and going and going. And finally, Buzz just punched him. (laughs) (laughs) He deserved it. Yep. And, 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 of course, everybody in my camp was going, yay. Um, and he of course tried to press charges and the judge said, are you kidding? <laughs> exactly. Uh, I actually, when Bart was not making films and writing books and, uh, harassing astronauts, he was a cab driver and Imagine I got that. in his cab one time. Really? Absolutely. That's interesting. And he, uh, during the cab drive, didn't want to talk about the moon. He wanted to talk about some fringe religion that he was a part of. Uh, But one very, very weird guy. But now we've got the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter, uh, which has been up there for a long time now. And it's got the ability to image the moon down to something about two feet wide. Okay. So every pic, every pixel is two feet. So they've been able to image all of the Apollo landing sites. Awesome. And I have this very, very weird visual memory. I mean, I'm sometimes I can look at a page of a book and then later just read that page in my mind. <clears throat> I can't do that always. But when I see something, many times it just is a very strong memory in my in my head. And so one of the, the Apollo 17 landing site, that was the most ambitious. They had the lunar rover. They were, you know, 
driving all over the place with this lunar rover. They walked the farthest. They had the most scientific instruments. And so they disturbed the surface of the moon quite a bit. And you can really see it well. When the Apollo 17 mission was over, you know, they launched the ascent module, which had film cameras pointing down outside of one of the windows. And as it goes up and tilts over to start going into orbit, you see all of the disturbance that they did there on the moon. Hmm. And I remember watching that. And then I remember years later, the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter, they published this picture of the Apollo 17 landing site. And my brain just goes, ooh, I've seen that before. And where I had seen it was as that Apollo ascent module was taking off. So I spent some time and, you know, found the best LRO, LRO orbit I could find, LRO image I could find, and I found the best frame from that data camera. And I spent an hour in Photoshop lining up craters and, you know, making sure that I didn't, I was, I was focusing on the, the footprints, the paths that people walked. So I'd line up the, the limb, I'd line up the big craters, you know, I'd line up everything I could find that was indisputably the same thing. And you, Are you sure you're not a criminal scene investigator? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm just a nerd. But, <laughs> but, but uh, you, it's just amazing how beautifully these two things line up. You know, two images taken with completely different technologies, 50 years apart. And so when I run into somebody now who says, we never went to the moon, I just send them that little video and say, please explain this. Exactly. And they, they will generally do one of two things. They'll just ignore me or they'll say things like, well, of course, if they could fake it once, they could fake it again. All you're doing is lining up two fake photos. Absolutely. Um, and, <laughs> now, That's where my mind goes. <laughs> now, now, it's very... You know, if you want to have an exercise in absolute frustration, then spend some time talking to these guys. They are they are of a different mental category. <laughs> I believe it. They well, fall into the same category as the flat earthers. Is yes, that, they do. Oh my lord, don't even <laughs> What uh, do you guys think about uh the building of the hotels on the moon? Well, we got to get there first. I was going to say, can you make reservations already? I'm in. That's what I'm thinking. Well, all right. Once again, were you aware that during the Apollo program, Pan Am Airlines sold no, tickets, you are not about tickets to, to the moon? Really? Yes, they did. <clears throat> People bought them. There is no more wow. Pan Am Airlines. But, but they actually sold tickets to the moon. That's a lawsuit waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you buy tickets to the moon? Uh, yeah. Call 1 800 Legal Is Us. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. When I, when I first got married, I told my wife, I said, look, you know, I'm going to do my very best to be a good husband. That means I'm not going to cheat on you. I'm, not, I'm going to love you as much as I can. I'm going to show you that I love you. I'm going to be a steadfast husband. But if the aliens come down and say, hey, Victor, you want to go with us? 
I'm yeah. gone. I'm gone. I'm out. <laughs> you know, I'm I'll gone. send you a postcard. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so if they get to the point where they've got a hotel on the moon and I can get there and have anything of my life savings left, I'd go. I would too, just simply for the fact that we're don't weigh as much as we do on Earth. It'll hit my arthritis. Very true. I'm going a heartbeat. I have dreamed about going to space for so long. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'd go to the moon to a hotel, assuming they've worked out the kinks first. But the whole Mars thing—that's a bit far, and uh, I'm not sure they'll work out those kinks in my lifetime. I think you can count on them not working them out. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I think they will work them out. You know, I think it'll probably be Musk who works them out. Um, but it's going to be <clears throat> 15 years rather than three. Well, to oh, be yeah. clear, it will be the smart people that Musk overworks, not Musk. Yes, it'll be the smart people. Yes, that's true. But he's the economic force behind it. Unfortunately, correct. JJ? <laughs> Uh, don't you think they need a priest on the moon? Oh, yes. Why not? Hey, I'm your man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, Father Birdsong, <laughs> were you aware that when they started uh, drilling for oil and building pipelines in Alaska, they were really, really far away from the rest of civilization? And they brought all these men up there who were going to be roughnecks. They're going to be the kind of people who drilled for oil and built pipelines. Completely honorable work, but kind of rough men in many cases. Sounds like my kind of men. And like your kind of men. And they, they tried all kinds of things, you know, like limiting alcohol and <clears throat> bringing in psychiatrists and all this kind of stuff. What they finally found that actually worked was bringing in a Catholic minister and a Protestant minister. Wow. And having, <clears throat> having them interact with these men on a daily basis and have church services and this kind of thing. After they brought those ministers in, it became a workable situation. It became a workable site. They had a tremendous and almost immediate social impact on these men. Wow. Well, way, way, very much off the topic, and I'm sorry. Just a oh, little, please, there, just a, just a little interjection here, because mm -hmm. I really want to get back to the moon and everything. But uh, uh, it's, it's uh, funny that you bring that up. I was in North Carolina probably 20 years ago. I was on a business trip, and uh, I was sitting at a bar at uh, some well-known restaurant chain. And, uh, you know, me by myself, I said, I'll just sit at the bar and eat. Mm -hmm. and, I'm, and I'm sitting there eating, and this gentleman comes in, starts talking with me, and starts talking about his day. And he orders a beer. He said, can I get you a beer? I said, sure, why not? I'm not going to turn it down. And uh, so I'm sitting there drinking a beer with him, and then he finds out that I'm a priest. And just sitting there, just like the guys that go to Alaska with these roughnecks, so to speak, just sitting there having a beer with this guy 
and listening to him, I was able to minister to him and hear his confession and give him absolution right there sitting at the bar. He was a fine Catholic gentleman. That's awesome. Isn't it, though? That's what I thought. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Well, I mean, those are the kind of experiences. Look, I'm not a priest. I haven't done what you've done. But those experiences stay with you. Exactly. Exactly. And see, we we make, well, I need to hush. We're getting way off topic. But anyway. we got to understand that the topics are really kind of suggestions. <laughs> rough guidelines. <laughs> well, I, I just said all that, you know, you know, I mean, I mean, people put this great stigmata type thing on Christianity. No, we're just a bunch of people doing the best we can with what we know. Mm-hmm. And that's what everybody needs to realize. But anyway, I want to go visit the Hotel on the Moon. Well, you, you know you'll be under tons and tons of regolith. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we got we got a big we got to we got to dig a big hole. There you go. Uh, <laughs> and that'll probably come from the uh, Elon Musk Boring Company. <laughs> oh my lord. <laughs> No, you didn't. <laughs> it probably will. Oh, gracious <laughs> of love. And, and uh, <laughs> I mean, you'll probably land on a starship. Um, <laughs> Can I change my name to James T. Kirk? <laughs> I just, look, I don't think this sort of thing's going to happen when I'm physically capable of participating in it. Oh, wait a minute. I'm probably older than you, bud. So, hold well, on. yeah, but <laughs> I just don't think I'm going to get to participate in this in my lifetime. So you're, te- you're, you're, so you're breaking my heart, man. You're telling me that I'm not going to be able to participate. <clears throat> probably not. Okay. But, you know, you never lie to a priest. That'd be bad. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> JJ, save me. Jump in here, man. I honestly have nothing. <laughs> I just have to throw this in there for meaning's sake, because I'm a I'm a very opinionated and stubborn person. Oh no! Watching Twitter go down into a literal dumpster oh, here fire we go. in the past three weeks has been the most delicious thing I have ever seen in my life. What's happening, bud? Oh, my God. Uh, Everyone thought that Elon Musk was going to come in, play 10-dimensional chess, and just transform it and save free speech, which is the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard in my life. And instead, half the company has been eliminated. Um, Actually, an ultimatum was issued today where he said the bar is going to be set ridiculously high. And unless you confirm that you agree by abiding by that philosophy, then take a three-month severance and you're out of the company well, yeah. e- Elon Musk played chess, but obviously he's never heard of the Queen's Gambit. Uh, no, he he is playing like fourth grader checkers. Fourth grade. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got Josh laughing now. <laughs> All right, I, I will shut up now. Sorry. Right. I, I want to go back to Mars. Yes. Um, <clears throat> were you aware that 
Many years ago now, I think in the mid-80s, there was a, a probe, a, a, a lander, sent by the U.S. to Mars to do some experiments on the soil there. And the very first experiment they did, they That's started... That's the Val Kimmer movie, right? Mm, <laughs> except for the uh, robot dog. But, okay. <laughs> but, but anyway, they found chemical indicators of life in the Martian soil. Just the very first time they did that. <clears throat> and NASA immediately incinerated those experiments. Uh, they didn't do it fast enough for the data not to get back into the world. But many people, probably including myself, think that that very first lander found life on Mars. Okay, let me let me introduce a, a, a conspiracy theory here. Okay. Isn't it amazing? Now, see, I jokingly brought up the Val Kilmer movie, right? Mm-hmm. What was the name of it? Red Planet? Something like that. Yeah. Something, something like that. that. <clears throat> something like, but isn't it, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it amazing, thinking about what you just said and that movie, that there's always some kind of truth in Hollywood? Oh, yeah. That is interesting. That's just a little tidbit thrown out there. Well, I, I think, I mean, a lot of people have talked about Hollywood being used to kind of gradually introduce people to problematic ideas. True. <clears throat> um, now, truth is, Hollywood's become so bad, I don't believe I've watched a new release movie in... Uh, I haven't in many in years. Two, three years. I mean, yeah. I'm... I, yeah. I, I, I just... I just find that, you know, I'm really happy with the movies that were made in the 80s and the 90s. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and I can see those. So, anybody else have anything they want to say about this? The only thing I will chip in is the latest rover that was sent to Mars. The fact that they included a microphone. Wow. Mm, yes, that's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is, and to hear the desolate wind blowing over that landscape was just chilling. But then to see how close people are paying attention to the uh, images and vistas that are being beamed back. Uh, who remembers the, the doorway that was found on Mars just, you know, a couple of months ago? I do. Doorway. Yeah, there was a rock structure that resembled a door and had people all kinds of excited. And, of oh. course, it was nothing like that. But okay. still, I mean, it's just it's that same thing of being able to see a, a face in a, a random conglomeration of objects. Uh, you know, we, we look for meaning everywhere that we possibly can. Yes, yeah. so. JJ, where, where, uh, where uh, can we hear the sound bites that you're talking about? I know that uh, it's on NASA's website. Okay. And in fact, I remember watching a uh, one of the first um, pieces of coverage about it, and there was a, a a young woman who was very interested in STEM, who was blind, and hmm. her sister was narrating 
because she got to play to her blind sister the first sounds of Mars. That's and pretty doggone Mars. Oh, that's awesome. That yeah. She was able to participate in the excitement of what everyone else had been, you know, so excited about in terms of the, the whole space uh, exploration concept. So it, it was it was really touching. I, I really, that stuck with me. So they sent a microphone and a helicopter. Yep. That's pretty doggone awesome. Vic Hermanson once recommended that he, JJ, and Dave call themselves the League of Hierophants. Where did he even learn that word? There is a Hierophant tarot card, which refers to an intellectual master, a powerful mind fully dedicated to the learning and teaching of practical lessons derived from the study of natural law. Right, right. JJ and Dave realized that at least one of the three did not qualify for this title. I am sworn to secrecy, but the name of the odd man out rhymes with Zick Bervanson. Now, let's choose another topic. Oh, JJ's going to be happy. Uh oh. I like that. <laughs> okay. First topic one, Azazel. I think oh. that's how you say oh, that, right? Josh. Did you hear that? Yeah. That's how you say it. Azazel. Azazel or Azazel. Or... Yeah. On Supernatural, they say Azazel. Yeah. Um, Which is horribly, horribly wrong. It's <laughs> you got it right. There you go, JJ. Those, those, those uh, simpletons. Topic JJ, two. does uh, Azazel uh, bring back memories of our story? Of course it does. <laughs> oh my God! I mean, guys, when you see when you see a thirteen-year-old girl draw a picture of this demon, I mean, to a T with color pencils, it is absolutely freaking mind blowing. That would be. It was. It was. That's a whole nother story, though. But anyway. Well, maybe we'll come back to that. Topic two, feral children. Topic three, the anthropic principle. Topic four, fairies, fae, trolls, ogres, gnomes, elves, pixies, goblins, etc. And topic five, swamp gas. <laughs> well, Jay, you know which one I'm going to go for. Yeah, well, yeah, let's let's, let's it just has to be the swamp just, gas. Swamp yeah. Swamp. Yeah. <laughs> Jay, Jay, tell us all about swamp gas. You're the expert here. <laughs> well, after the chili I had last night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. That's okay. It reminds me of Luke Skywalker landing on Dagobah swamp gas. (laughs) (laughs) And JJ's chili. I'm going to remember that. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh. So, so JJ, are you going to inform us about swamp gas? Or are you guys going to tackle the Azazel topic? Or Azazel? We run with Azazel, yes. Okay. I'm going to let you guys run for a second. I'll be gone for one minute and 24 seconds. All right. Go for it. Actually, I'm going to turn the table over to uh, to Father Birdsong because I think everyone would like to hear the story that you just began. 
Okay, uh, well, of, of course we know Az Azazel, or Azazel. Uh, he is uh, one of the main principalities. Uh, of course, there's an order in the demonic kingdom. Uh, you have the ruler, which we know is Lucifer. And then the principalities from where uh, um, um, Azazel comes from. And then we have what's called rulers. Uh, they're all bad, but uh, just to, I need to throw in there that there is an order. But uh, several years ago, I was called to a home. Um, this woman called me. She was in dire straits. Her 13-year-old daughter had gotten mixed up in Wicca, uh, which is very prevalent uh, right now in our nation. And I did not realize that until this happening. But anyway, all kind of weird stuff was happening in their home. And I'm going to make this as short as possible. I would really uh, like for you guys to go back uh, to uh, listen to part one and part two of JJ's podcast. Uh, uh, what was the name of it, John? Huh? The Kingdom of Hell. That's it. Yep. That's it. But uh, uh, to make a long story short, uh, I was called and we wound up in a full-blown exorcism of a place. Um, uh, and then we did a exorcism of a person, but it was not direct. Uh, there is a right that you can do uh, if a person is not there. And thankfully... Uh, uh, it worked. The young girl is a very vibrant, beautiful young lady these days. But anyway, uh, I had to actually tell everyone in the house to leave, to go outside, to where it was just me and uh, my authority. It was actually my canon theologian that was with me. And the uh, Spirit of the Lord gave me a word of wisdom at that time, said to look under the bed. And um, we looked up under the bed, and there was a tote of some things that belonged with or belonged to the young lady. And she had drawn a um, picture of Azazel. And it was to a T. And at that point, um, as many of you may know, it gave me a point of reference as to who was in authority over this home at that time. And it, um, it is a very, very powerful demon. Uh, you don't play around with this guy. And when you jump into modern religions as witchcraft and uh, paganism and uh, things like that, it just, you're really opening that door for this guy to come into your life. And it it is very hard to get rid of. And that's another time in my personal life in doing battle with this presence that I became physical ill. I told JJ, as a matter of fact, when this was over with, I was physically, mentally, emotionally, 
spent. Uh, uh, it took me what well, about four days? Mm-hmm. It took me about four days to recover from this. Uh. Uh, and see, people think that that when you're playing around with these things, that it's you know just a few minutes and it's over with. <laughs> you don't have a bad day if you believe in that mess. Uh, uh, I tell everyone today's today's believers' authority stuff that they teach. That's enough to take you down to the neighborhood bar and get your rear end handed to you. Uh, Azazel don't play, and he's got a history. He was there with Baal or Baal from the beginning, and uh, a very, very dangerous um, adversary. So let me ask a question, if I can. What, Please. So you're you're looking at a, a drawing. Yes. And you're saying that it stood out that this was Azazel. So yes. What are you comparing that to? What's your your reference? Well, as, as as JJ and I have spoken in the past, and this is why I love JJ so much. He is a history nerd. Uh, did I just say nerd? JJ. <laughs> I love oh, JJ. I am, you're right. He 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 is a bookaholic man, and I love him. Uh, but I always I always go back to the beginning. I, I I I don't base anything on today's books. I go back to the church fathers, into their into the early church drawings, even into the Egyptian stuff. I mean, you can find demonic drawings from way back even of ashtar or ishtar or baal and 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 i contrast this all these drawings and i look at them regularly to know what i'm looking for and you would be surprised if you look at history what you can see today a very interesting point. Did you know that the demonic person Ashtar or Ishtar is a split image of our Statue of Liberty? Hmm. No. Look it up. Or I will send JJ a picture and then he can pass it on. Josh, do that right now, as a matter of fact. But uh but yes, I, I, I go by history in in old accounts. And so, soon as I saw it, um, I knew what I was looking at. That is why every person that even thinks about going into the quote-unquote office of an exorcist, if you don't have an education or history of the demonic, like Ishtar, uh, like Baal, uh, Az- uh, Azazel, uh, so on and so forth. I mean, there's so many we can name, but you got to know what you're looking at. You got to know who you are coming up against. You got to have an education. You just can't go out there thinking you 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 know it all because you don't. These things are real, and they will kill you physically. May I ask some prosaic questions? Yes. <clears throat> so you found this one, this drawing. Were there other drawings by this 
girl or no because because when you come against a principality like mm-hmm. uh, uh, Azazel, mm-hmm. uh, he represents so many. Okay, but he is the head, if you will. He let's just say let's just say in America we have governors over certain states, right? Correct. He's he's the governor. So okay. anything below him really doesn't matter, right? It's it's kind of, it's kind of like the old analogy, like uh, how do you kill a snake? You cut off its head. In in the South, we grab a garden hole and chop his head off. Yes, you, you do. Know? So so the 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 same point is with that. He's the head. So if you if you can if you take care of him. You've taken care of the rest. All right. He, he is what matters at this point. <clears throat> Certainly he, when you were dealing with this young girl. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so and so if, if if anything comes up after that, yes, you need to deal with it. But that's a whole other podcast about the after effects. Maybe we should talk about that one day, the after effects of exorcisms. I think that's a perfect podcast. Absolutely. Definitely. There's a whole in, in which in which JJ, I apologize, I'm sorry, but this Saturday we will be going live and I will have you the class. Oh, that would be wonderful. Yes, sir. I, I it is my bad. I will go back and do part one and two and get it recorded and downloaded. But uh We'll see. So, if can I can I ask a question? Yes, sir. Okay. So, we're, we're talking about Azazel, Azazel, uh, Azazel, yeah, Azazel. And look, <clears throat> I'm I'm sorry for my ignorance here. Um, I'm Catholic, and I have not spent a great deal of time studying these things. I spend a lot of time listening to other people talk about them. Well, Father Baron, uh, so. He, he's, he's a great guy for learning. So, Azazel would have to be a creation of God. Is that correct? He is a creation of God, but he was one of the fallen with Lucifer. One of the fallen with Lucifer. Okay. Yes. But still would be under the authority of God. Yes. So, whatever he is doing... God must be giving him the authority to do so. Well, yes, yes. However, (laughs) however, okay, that 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 goes back to part of JJ and I's conversation. Every person has a free will. Yes. So if you invite that presence to come into your life, then you are inviting it to do whatever. Right. And so, so yes, yes, God gives this entity permission to do what he needs to do. That, that's why that's why Jesus called Lucifer the God of this world, right? Mm-hmm. So Lucifer's minions or his soldiers, so to speak, they have authority and permission from God to do what they need to do, just like they did with Adam and Eve. And when, I, I think uh, that there's a, a concept here, though, that 
God allows things to happen that's not necessarily invited in. So take the story of Job. Job true, did nothing true. to invite that jo- Job on did himself. Nothing. God Job allowed it. Mm-hmm. God had a purpose for it. Exactly. And, you know, that's not for us to question in my Correct. mind. It just it is. And I think that these things happen sometimes through uh, something you've done in your life that, you know, we've talked about, open a door or what have you. Correct. Absolutely, um, sir. Yes. And in some cases, not because it serves some purpose of God in your life. And what you do with that um, is drives what happens next. Well, that uh, that's a very interesting point that you just brought up because that goes back with uh, or, or goes to the point with Padre Pio, as a matter of fact. Padre Pio, throughout his whole ministry, was plagued by satanic attacks mm-hmm. did did padre pio bring him on padre pio was one of the most pious men that we've ever known padre pio even had the stigmata however he was attacked and demonized his whole life now god allowed that to happen but 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 we also also have to understand just in the case of job that that we live in a earthly original sin tent okay in other words we are born into original sin and with that original sin that door if you will is automatically opened does that make sense to you yeah that's that's the that's the doctrine of original sin. It, well, it, 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 exactly. But I, I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page here. Mm-hmm. I've got to just – I always ask the weirdest questions. Go for it. <laughs> no, ask them. Ask them. I'm, okay. You're I'm right just, up mine and JJ is alley now. <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking about being in a hospital. Okay. Okay, and you get a patient coming in. They have some vague symptom. And you start doing the tests that are necessary to find out what's wrong with them. Right. Okay. Sometimes you get these tests back and it's still not clear what's going on. Correct. Sometimes you get the test back and you're saying, oh, my God, he's got a one and a half inch glioblastoma in his brain. Wow. Or you see. Now, now hold on. Hold on. Uh-huh. Uh, that sounded terrible. And that's why I said, oh, my God. But what it is in the world is, is there? A glioblastoma is just a type of brain tumor. <laughs> okay. Uh, arising from the glial tissue. And if you get a glioblastoma, you are going to die. Probably okay. within a couple, sometimes within a couple of weeks wow. of the time that they discover it. Uh, if you live a year, that's uh, remarkable. You've done well. You've done well. If you live a year, is, so you see that, or you get back their blood sugar, and it's it should be a uh, hundred, and it's nine hundred. You know, or you or you see these horrible things that happen in people, and there's this. There's this feeling of just this, oh, you know, this, this electrical feeling up your spine of, oh, my God, that's what we're dealing with. And it's a it's a feeling both of despair and, yeah. and fear. Yeah. So I'm just thinking about you're here in this household. There must be a moment when you say, I'm dealing with Azazel. And 
well, I can't imagine the kind of fear that that would cause. Well, it is it, 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 it's funny that you brought that up. Okay, let me tell you the whole story. So we're 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 there at this home, and this and this feeling of uh, overwhelmed. The only way I can say it is dread comes upon me. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah, I'm a priest. Okay. But can I speak plain English to you? I, I expect it. I was scared as hell at this moment. Well, of course. And, and I'm happy to hear that because well, I- <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, because because this sense of dread come over me, and I and I'm like, hell, I'm about to die. Ooh, that, yeah. That's how I felt at that mm-hmm. time, and, and that and that sick feeling came over me, and it was it was at that time that the presence of God came over me. And said, you're dealing with Azazel or Azel or Azel, however you say that. However you say it. Anyway, I don't want JJ to get on to me. (laughs) I wouldn't do that anyway. (laughs) But, uh, but, but like I said, this, this is in the original podcast. All right, so so I was told that, and, and then I was told, look under the bed. And that's when we looked under the bed and saw that. See, we got to understand that as much as, as much as the enemy has free reign, God still has authority. Correct. And it's that authority that spoke to me and said, look under the bed the bed and then and then that that's that's when we saw it but but if you if you look at the the actions that azazel is over it was the exact actions that these girls were going through and doing even even unto self-harm like cutting mm. themselves. Um, sexual confusion and in, in thinking that she's supposed to be a boy. Mm-hmm. See, none of this is new. It goes all the way back in history. Even 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 into the, the, the pagan worlds. I mean, all this is... I mean, Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun and the same goes today. The same things that these presences brought way back thousands of years ago is the same stuff that we're dealing with now. And anyway, so let's um, let's do some um, historical backgrounds real quick. Yes, sir. Uh, so actually, just to touch upon Job, uh, a few points. Yes, Job is actually an ancient story. It has oh, one that the oldest. Has, yeah, it has circulated uh, in the ancient Mir- Near East for centuries before it was ever officially written down, and it predated Judaism by a decent bit. The and in fact, the story that we know of now as Job, it got a Hollywood ending. Yes, in the original <laughs> story, 
Job did not get a new family. He did not get new riches, new houses, new servants. Uh, he was left the way that he was, and that was the end of the story. That and the then story. the fire tornado came about, and right. you know, a new family was gifted to him. But I always remember a professor when we were covering this book for the first time, and he said, so was Job's life automatically better at the end of all this no his life was hell yeah i mean because his original family's dead yeah they're never they're not coming back doesn't matter he got a new one all of that stuff went down exactly um, but anyway uh and actually in other people they like to confuse this discussion between you know it's god and satan right and right. the answer is no, no it's not no uh it is ha satan which is a hebrew term for the chief prosecutor correct and yeah christian uh, a lot of christian sects get that idea wrong uh, but anyway let's go back to azazel so Azazel is a so first there is actually no word for demon in the Hebrew Bible. There, the closest that you can find is Sha'ir, which yeah. is a goat type of entity, which Correct. is usually found in the desert Dudael. Yes. Uh, however. Azazel is a name that is mentioned in Deuteronomy, and it refers to a particular rite that we don't really know what it refers to. Uh, now, the name is interesting because if you break the component parts down, when you're dealing with angels, you get L as the last phrase, and that is Aleph Lambda which is short for Elohim. So, mm -hmm. Michael, Mikael, who is mm -hmm. like God, etc. Well, Azazel, you would think that that fits the same kind of pattern, and it does not, because Absolutely. it's not Aleph Lambda, it is uh, Ion Lambda, which is short for goat. And we, so we think that the actual Hebrew term means like the, the loosing upon or blaming a goat. And that's where we get scapegoat. scapegoat. Yeah. But we still don't really know exactly what this rite is referring to. Is the goat Azazel? Is the goat just being sacrificed to Azazel? Who is Azazel, etc.? And a lot of uh, Jewish thinkers, uh, especially ancient, would love to hypothesize upon what these things actually mean so that they can extract what the quote-unquote true meaning was supposed to be. Uh, and we find that within First Enoch, where you have the watchers who were sent by God. I knew I loved you, JJ. Here we go. <laughs> I love the book of Enoch. Okay. Who was sent to watch over the generations of man. Uh, and I'm just quoting here. I'm not trying to be misogynistic in my language. And they, these group of angels saw that the daughters of man were comely and decided to bind themselves in a curse. And that's the actual 
terminology that's used in classical Ethiopic, uh, where they wouldn't turn on each other and they would all agree to do this thing. Now, the interesting part is that the leader of the Watchers is uh, Samhaza. And you would think that Simhaza would have the greatest sin ascribed to him because he was the chief of all the watchers. And no, it wasn't. It was a name was reached back into the past. They plucked out Azazel, and that became the most major transgressor. And he taught some of the most horrible things to humanity, uh, such as weapon making and metallurgy and makeup strangely enough, yeah. uh, along with some magic. So that's where we kind of get Azazel from a historical standpoint. And then, of course, we have the most horrible movie ever made, Fallen, with Denzel Washington, where they <laughs> then prance around mispronouncing the demon's name the entire time. So anyway, just to give some context. Or the Fallen Watcher Angel. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. I've never seen Fallen. I did a long I, time I ago. I, don't waste your time. You <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, instead of watching Fallen, uh, JJ, forgive me, but you'd be better off watching the movie Noah. I have. I like that movie a lot. Yeah, the one with Russell Crowe. Yes. Yeah, that's a, the first time I watched it. I it took me about fifteen minutes to figure. Oh. Uh, Enoch. Well, yeah, <laughs> and and you 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 uh, have to eat the fish and spit out the bones, as I say. But it's a pretty good movie. <laughs> yeah, but the second time I watched it, I decided, you know, this is kind of brilliant, really. It, it was. But, it seemed but, like there was some of it that did not make sense to me, and I and I, it's been a while since I saw it, so uh, I don't remember. Well, you. Like with all of Hollywood movies, you have to eat the fish and spit out the bones. Spit out the bones, but, yeah. But let's let's go back to what JJ was just talking about, <clears throat> and, and, and he is absolutely correct. We don't know a lot about this entity. We we don't know a lot about Job because Job was, uh, if you look at the canonical scripture he this book was the oldest ever i mean we tend to think that everything started with a pentateuch but it didn't uh uh, i mean job was way before all of this and uh and unfortunately there's not a lot of writings that we could go on but everyone tends to uh, glorify this story of Job that it was all rainbows and unicorns at the ending, but it wasn't. Job went through hell. Job, I mean, this guy fought, well, let's just go ahead and say uh, Azazel put this guy through hell. I mean, I mean, he he lost his family. He he lost everything that was with him. His friends lost. His friends forsook him. And so, so and, let me let me point something out from okay, from my perspective. Ahead. The ending of Job is irrelevant. 
Exactly. Right. Whether Job had a happy-go-lucky, wonderful life that was 10 times better than when he started, or whether he died in poverty with no family and not a penny to his name and just a horrible feeling because of what well, happened. When the rubber Either met way, the road, the, the, guy, the guy died redeemed, okay? Yes. Mm-hmm. He, but, he stuck with his faith. Exactly. And the, the, the point of it is that uh, – God allowed that to happen. Correct. Right back to what we talked about originally. Original and, sin, though. And, and God, well, whether it's because of original sin or whether it's because whatever it is, God allows bad things to happen to good people and bad yes. things to happen to bad people. And yes. that is part of what makes life Interesting. Thank you. Right. Because if we didn't have challenges, if we did not have uh, horror stories to tell, then we haven't grown. Yes, absolutely. And I think that God's purpose in many cases is for us to grow either closer to God or closer and stronger in some aspect of our life and our faith. Yes. And, you know, I've seen that in my own life. I've had my own trials and tribulations, and no, they weren't fun, and they were horrible. And no, I don't think I necessarily deserved all of it, (laughs) but I know I deserve some of it. Absolutely. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll own it, but but at the same time, that is part of what made me who I am today, and and I'm stronger for it. So – yeah, it's it's hard to think, well, God can allow bad things to happen. But at the same time, yeah, if life was perfect, it'd be, be kind of boring. boring. Yeah. I, I find absolutely. that in the last year, specifically in the last year or so, uh, I've run into a lot of people who are, I don't know, I guess I would say theodicy extremists. Um, you know, if – you know, if there is a just God, why are there so many horrible things happening in the world? You know, the standard <laughs> yeah. theodicy question. And <clears throat> I've stopped trying to explain it, but I have come up with a thought experiment. It's the, and the thought experiment on my part is, okay, let's say that God is a an entity, a being, such that what you say really matters. And that he is going to adjust his behavior to f- fulfill your wishes. Where do you want God to draw the line? Yeah. As to where he's going to intervene. Yeah. Okay. I mean, are we talking wars? Are we only talking world wars? Are we talking minor holocausts? Are we talking just major holocausts? What about brave, you know, what about schoolyard bullies? What about tax cheats? What about abusive husbands? What about abusive wives? What about the kid down the street who tortures kittens? You know what I think? What? I think a lot of times we do not want God to intervene in anything until we want him to. Correct. Correct. And, I, yeah. and, I, and, and I'm comfortable with the idea that, look, there are going to be bad things that, hap- that happen to me. Yes. And I find that my faith in God helps me to get through these things because – I can remember times in my life when that faith was gone, when that faith was not there. And life was 
much, much more challenging at that point. We we keep this is I think the second or third time that we have danced around the subject of theodicy, and we we will have to tackle that at some point in time. It's, it's on it's on it's on the list of thirteen hundred. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I pro I promise you. But. So the chances are, in the next thousand shows, we will hit it. <laughs> <laughs> But but JJ, uh, in in your case and in your experiences, do you think Azazel had any influence in your upbringing? Uh, probably not. Okay, at least. Not that I'm aware of. I've encountered some pretty evil things and horrible that, things. That's why. I, that's why I asked the question. I, I, was, I was just curious. So I, I would say that there probably was a decent bit of of evil influence that I have experienced through certain people in certain circumstances. However, I will happily say that if it were not for the redeeming influences of my mom and my grandmother who filled my life with such love that, uh, yeah, it completely overshadowed any of the negatives. Well, one thing, JJ, that I'm always interested in with uh, your background and your knowledge, uh, I, I know I know that we call this demon Azazel. But I'm always curious because it, it always correlates with the Orient in the in the in the Japan or or China region. Who is the equivalent? The equivalent of what? Sorry. Of of the demon Azazel. There are so many evil... Okay. Th- th- there aren't deities, but there are so many different uh, yokai and yurei and bakimono that I can't think of a decent equivalent. Okay. Okay. That answer my question. So Azazel is a pretty bad guy, then. Oh, absolutely. In fact, uh, I did an episode uh, on the names of the devil that I really have to complete at some point. Wow. Uh, Okay. But yeah, there were many contenders to find because ancient Judaism was not dualistic. There was no enemy. God controlled. Everything, whether it was destruction or life-giving essences or lying spirits, doesn't matter. God controlled it. And then there's a debate as to what really kind of brought on the introduction of a dualistic enemy. Was it just the temples being destroyed? Was it the uh, Babylonian exile in which brought Judaism 
into contact with Zoroastrianism, which had the most advanced dualism of any religion uh, living or since. Uh, and in fact, Christianity inherits so much from Zoroastrian dualism. Um, but yeah, there was a quest to find out who is the enemy of God. And so many names were thrown at the wall from uh, Baal Zebub to Baal. Uh, but one of the biggest ones, especially in the beginning, was Azazel. Ah, okay. Has uh, the people on Discord lost you? I'm still here. I uh, don't think so. I did. Yeah, they've lost your voice, JJ. Well, oh, crap. Okay. I have unmuted myself. Yeah, I was muted <laughs> on Discord. Okay. Uh, I was thinking that may have been causing some issues. Oh, that, oh no, <clears throat> so, no, no, no. I hear one sided conversation. <laughs> jo- uh, no, it's just uh, Josh looked at me and said, I can't hear you. <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully that will solve that problem. It is. It is. You're good. We'll man. work it out eventually. So in in the Bible, they talk a lot about the worshipers of Baal, Baal, yes. how, however yes. you say that. Baal or Baal. Baal. Are Baal. there still worshipers of Baal? Absolutely. Absolutely. What are what do they call themselves? Not in an official sense. I mean, there are there's always going to be crackpots out there and yeah. small cults that will worship some horrible thing or another. Uh, I'm not aware of any kind of modern incarnation into the cult of um, to the cult of Baal, mm-hmm. um, but who, who knows? Well. <sighs> There, there, there is not a quote unquote cult of Baal today, but I don't know if you guys are uh, aware of it. And I just saw this recently, but it goes right along with what I have been doing some teachings on. But uh, uh, Robert Kahn just came out with a book called The Return of the Gods. And, really? Yeah, and that goes right along with what I was saying earlier from Solomon from uh, the book of Ecclesiastes that there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, listen, we just need to go ahead and understand that we're fighting the same demons we were 2,000 years ago plus, okay? And uh, Baal is one of them along with his uh, sister Ishtar or Ashtar, and uh, what's that? And Moloch. And uh, and we are still fighting those same things today, but they are coming back on the scene because, I mean, let's just go ahead and face it. We as a country, and it goes right back along with those doors that we were talking about earlier. We have opened the doors uh, to these presences to come right back into our lives. In which this is a whole nother podcast, probably can, several. I mean, we can go into where it was destroyed back at back in the 1700s and to the point to where we allowed it back in. Uh, but we've allowed these uh, these things to come back, and and like I said, it's it's not a cult, uh, quote unquote cult of Baal, but the spirit thereof, if that makes sense to you. That makes total sense. I, I would agree with that. I mean, we could at some point we need to add in the concept of 
uh, Alistair McIntyre, uh, a master philosopher yes. from Vanderbilt, yes. who yes. said that we lost the ability to have a moral discourse in the year 1947. <laughs> uh, uh, well, that's that's very doggone close to it, JJ. What is special about 1947? I do not remember. Okay. Well, I, I will have to go back and reread it. It, it is a very, I, I remember it being in a truly interesting argument. Well, 1947, if, if you look at that, that those years, we were kind of in between wars, right? Correct. And then comes the 1960s. And then here comes the whole Vietnam conflict. Well, all in the same time, we come upon the make love, not war era. And that's when a lot of all that started back, so to speak. And, uh, and a lot of the quote unquote witchcraft of the day started coming in the sexual revolution, the everything goes type of attitude and uh that that alone <laughs> well like i said this this goes into a whole nother podcast but um it opens the doors to those spirits of uh sexual immorality and uh satan worship and 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 um i don't have time to go into it but a whole lot of ungodly things uh debauchery and stuff i mean it just it just it just goes on from there well you're describing and and, and please tell me if i'm wrong here because i say sometimes sometimes i say things just because they pop in my mind and if i'm wrong i really want to know but (laughs) you're talking about things that and it's a concept that is in my mind quite a bit that damage the human soul exactly and see, anything that damages the human soul uh, uh, opens the doorway, so to speak, to Azazel or other demonic entities. Okay. Well, All right. That's a, and and see, and see, that's a hard pill to swallow, too, though, and I understand that. I, I, I don't find anything difficult about that concept. I find okay. the whole concept disturbing, frightening. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, when I couple that with the idea that the demonic world, the satanic world is doing everything in the world it can to deceive me also. And it seems that the main purpose of that deception is to open up doors within me that I'm not even aware of. Exactly. Exactly. I would like to do one more. Okay. So, JJ, are you at your end? I am. I have actually yet to eat dinner. Oh, my gosh. uh, Oh, wow, man. (laughs) (laughs) Why why are you doing that? I'm beginning to wonder. I apologize. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. I I, I wish you had told us that. Um, uh, 
I'll offer. Suck it up, uh, JJ. Have a Coke. Suck it up, JJ. Have a Coke. <laughs> I, I've actually already had three. Get so. a Snickers, man. Uh, <laughs> what did uh, what did uh, Bill Cosby say? Have a Coke and a smile. <laughs> well, add a well, Snicker bar in there where you don't get hangry. Well, Will and uh, uh, not Will. Why do I call you Will? Uh, Dave and Father Birdsong, are are yes, you willing to go through one more? Maybe less intense topic. Yes. Even if even if JJ goes to eat dinner. Absolutely, and JJ needs to eat dinner. We can say bad things about JJ while he's gone. Oh uh, well, uh, I won't say anything bad about him. I, I love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing bad to say about JJ. But I'll try to come I up do. with something. I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am willing to carry on. Okay, <clears throat> I'd say we do one more. Uh, Maybe less intense topic. Okay, yeah, and, let's do a light, fun one. And I will do. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to go through the amazing facts and just throw out a few more because I like that whole palate cleansing bit, and that kind of is, I think, what this pur- the purpose of this thing is. Okay. Well, a- after that deep conversation we just had about the demonic, I need we need to cleanse our palate. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. <laughs> All right, let me just hit F9 here for a minute and let it come up with something. Okay. <clears throat> Unusual fact one, fugu, or pufferfish meat, is a delicacy in Japan. If you want to try it, you better trust your chef. Almost all pufferfish contains a toxin called tetrodotoxin, which is 1,200 times more lethal to humans than cyanide. I ain't got nothing to say about that. And if you, well, I've eaten fugu. Oh, no. <laughs> It does make your mouth numb. That's exactly what I was going to say. I've eaten I, fugu. I, I will I was, eat it if I don't know what it is. How about that? Well, I was I was working with this Japanese billionaire, and man, I think the main thing he wanted to do while I was in Japan was get me to eat some fugu. It was oh, a big God. deal to him. And so I'm at this table with all these big wig Japanese uh, executives, and they're just looking at me like, like, oh yeah, you're going to love this. This is going to be the best thing you ever had, and. The truth is, it tastes like tissue paper. Um, there's no taste at all, really. Why the, eat it? At least the foo I had. And then your lips just kind of get this little tingling, numb feeling. And so I played the game. I was like, hmm, this is the best stuff ever. Ooh. And I'd rub my lips, and they, you know, they had a great time. So I didn't disappoint them. <laughs> they probably said, this American's lying his tail <laughs> So, JJ, you still there? I am. So, uh, does that sound like the right your your experience with fugu? Yes, it it tastes like nothing, and it just <laughs> makes your mouth numb. And at the end of the day, you just wonder why in the ever living world did I risk my life? <laughs> Listen, I love food, and I love sushi. But there is nothing that's good enough to eat that I'm willing to die for. Amen. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not there. <laughs> well, the the gentleman I was working with, we, I mean, Watanabe-san, he definitely was a billionaire. And he took us out to these incredibly fancy meals. And I asked the, the, the interpreter, uh, Kinshiro Hashimoto, 
you know, how much did that meal cost? Oh, probably 12,000 American. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm thinking, what do you mean 12,000 American? And so anyway, you got to pay for the chef's insurance. (laughs) Hello. Well, for the people that die from the fish. Yeah. The, the, the the chef's version of malpractice insurance. Exactly. I wasn't paying for it. (laughs) That uh, actually are allowed to prepare fugu. Uh, They typically are not even allowed to go near it until they've had at least 15 years of experience. Wow. So they take it extremely seriously because all it takes is the slightest nick into that gland and you're dead. Well, JJ, if I ever uh, uh, eat this, I'll definitely make sure that you're with me. <laughs> uh, once was more than enough. Uh, 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 yeah, you know what? I tell you what. I take. I changed my mind. I'm willing to try it if JJ eats it first. There you go. <laughs> I, oh, I, I, I would eat it again. Canary, JJ. If you eat it, it's okay. <laughs> I, I would eat it again. I'll eat the second I, bite. I'm not going to hey, seek it out, <laughs> guys. I I, uh, I got a very interesting story with you about food. Oh, please. I was in Belize, Central America one time, and uh, uh, JJ, this this is actually where I got into my first exorcism experience. But anyway, we were in the jungles of Belize, Central America, way back in the late 80s, early 90s, before it turned into a tourist attraction. And uh, uh, I learned to receive whatever food I was eating with grace. You understand what I'm saying? Gotcha. And uh, and we were in the jungle area, and these folks were cooking in their village. And this stuff I was eating, it was pretty doggone good, man. I'm here to tell you. I mean, we had flour tortillas and red beans and real, real, when I say real mango jelly, I mean it because it was, you know, the... <clears throat> the stuff right off there. the trees. Yeah. The good stuff. And uh, the good stuff, right. And um, and I asked my interpreter, I said, what is this meat I'm eating? He said, you don't want to know. I said, <laughs> what? <laughs> Can I guess? It, it's roasted and it's pretty doggone good. <laughs> I said, no, seriously, I want to know what I'm eating. He said, well, the, the natives call it bamboo chicken. <laughs> I, I said, look, I'm thinking to myself, I'm a country redneck that grew up in Georgia and Alabama. This ain't no chicken that I ever had in my lifetime. And uh, I said, okay. I said, well, what is bamboo chicken? He said, it's a guana. Ooh, okay. Oh, that's not as bad as I thought. It was actually pretty doggone good. I, I thought it was going to be rat. <laughs> well, well no, I was thinking it was no. going to be uh, capybara. Uh, the, those big, huge rats. Yeah, yeah. Or those, or those. What's those? What's those hybrid rat things that's growing in uh, Louisiana now? Nu- they call them nutrias. Nutria. Uh, nutria. That's nutria. Nutria. And but, uh, they say those are good, but I don't know. I have eaten I them. See, I grew up eating squirrel. All I right. did too. Yeah, and squirrel is yep. great, especially if there's a really 
big crop of acorns. Oh, the meat gets yeah. a nice nutty yeah. flavor to it. Yeah, it's fantastic. So dumplings with it. Oh man, uh, squirrel gravy yeah. all the way. Yeah. I, I just yeah. mm, good stuff. As yeah. long as you're not eating mouse, uh, mountain oysters, I think nope. you're doing Yeah, I, I <clears throat> JJ, never had any you ever desire. smell those things cooking? No, I have not. Thank you goodness. don't want to. Yeah. You know, the most adventurous I ever got was I had chitlins once. Oh, and, uh, those are nasty, too. That was about I'm the sorry. nastiest thing I've ever eaten. And I, I reached, realized after that that I, I do have a line. <laughs> Well, there are, and, there are uh, things that just aren't worth trying. In, in in Thomaston, Georgia, believe it or not, guys, in the county that's next to us, they have what's called the Chitlin Holdown every year. <laughs> now, if that ain't Southern Redneck, that I is Southern know, right there. That, I, I, I hear you, and that's what they do all up and down the highway is cook, fry, and boil chitlins. I and just oh nasty. Now I now I love fresh pork rinds. Oh yes, absolutely. Right? Which is something that you think would be disgusting. No, right? No. Or, but man, Crackling, fresh. Yeah, the when they make JJ, them right yeah. there, so good. Absolutely. Well, I don't like to lie. I really hate lying. But I have found a situation where I do, and. <laughs> 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 that was back when I was doing a lot of business traveling because there's always some jerk with the business group and you get somewhere and you get to the table and say, all right, all right, we're going to get us a big old plate of mountain oysters. Oh God. And, 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 and he, it's a, it's a coercive kind of thing. Now you're all going to eat some mountain oysters, aren't you? And <laughs> no, it comes no. around to me and I'll say, well, you know, I'm, I'm Jewish and mountain oysters aren't kosher. <laughs> <laughs> and they never do fight with that. Oh, oh I can't okay. eat those. <laughs> oh my gosh. Before we choose the final topic, it is time for Cyber Ghost Jokes. We are actually extremely funny. I'll go first. Have you heard about the sick chemist? If you can't helium and you can't curium, you'll probably have to bury him. Hello, I am Serafina. I am usually the genius behind the scenes, but my humor is so outstanding that I felt the necessity of stepping forward. Here goes. Two chemists go into a restaurant. The first one says I think I'll have an H2O. The second one says I think I'll have an H2O2. Then he died. He died. <laughs> Hello, I am Annabelle Lee. Vic Hermanson has failed to tell my origin story. I believe I will forgive him now and hurt him deeply later. Here is my carefully considered joke. Did you hear the one about the pregnant woman? She went into labor and started shouting, couldn't, wouldn't, shouldn't, didn't, can't. You see, she was having contractions. 
What do you say we spin that wheel? Topic one, demonic copulation and procreation. Oh Topic my. two, Knights Templar. Oh Topic my. three, Jason the Horse. Topic four, spiritual healing. And topic five, the human extinction movement. You know, the only one of those that sounds like to me is Jason the horse. That's what, that's what, what that I'm is, but I'm saying that's what we go for. <laughs> the other topics are very good, by the way, seriously, for a future. Uh, they are, uh, but I don't think uh, those are five-minute-long uh, topics. Yeah, but a spiritual healing one is a very good one for a future podcast, but that'd take too long. Definitely. You know, Father Birdsling, I'd, I would be appreciative <clears throat> if if I sent you this, this huge list if you'd look at it and Kind of see how we did. <laughs> oh, I, I would, I would love, I would love to see the list. I mean, it's still growing, but it's really getting slow. The growth is really getting slow at this point. Sounds great. Send it to me. All right. Who wants to hear the story of Jason the horse? I do. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Sure. <clears throat> Ian Punnett was a guy who would fill in for Art Bell and George Norrie when he took over that show. Father Birdsong, did you ever listen to Art Bell to that show late at night? Coast to Coast and Dreamland and those shows? Probably not. There, He was, especially Art Bell, he was a genius at this. I mean, it didn't matter who was on the show. Art you know, Bell sounds familiar, though, by the way. Oh, yeah. he People would come on there and just feed him the the biggest bowl of horse hockey that you can imagine. That's right, yeah. And he just, he was never phased. Oh, really? Tell me more about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Ian Punnett was there one night, and this guy calls in. <clears throat> and he had written to Ian, and he said, look, I'd like to talk to you. He said, I- I'm actually a horse. <laughs> um, okay. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a horse in a human body. And somehow oh, things, my God. things got confused. And um, when I hang around other horses, they, they know that I'm a horse. And they'll challenge me. And he's he was talking about, you know, I went out to a farm one day and I went over to stand by the fence and the the main stallion comes running up. It's like, oh, what is this? Because he was aware that there was a horse within Jason's body. Now, he talked again about this for probably two hours. Never one moment of irony or laughing or chuckling. And <clears throat> any question that you asked him, he was really, really happy to, to answer. Mm. And <clears throat> one of the answers that he gave was that uh, somehow the topic of sex came up. <laughs> and and he said, well, you know, I don't really have much of a sex drive. Um, see, as, as a horse, all my previous incarnations i have been gelded and i never ever got to function as as a sexually mature horse and that seems to have uh crossed over into the human realm and my my sex drive is essentially non-existent uh well it's a good way to uh sidestep any bestiality hello There you go, Jason. <laughs> now, but but the thing is, when I got through listening to the Jason the Horse show, 
Um, oh in my God. mind, I, I thought 100%. Okay, I don't know who this guy is. Well, His I won't Jason. know where my mind's going right now. You know, but anyway. But, but he thinks he's a horse. He really, really, really thinks he's a horse. Just just, just like Harlot is certain that she's the whore of Babylon or whatever. Yeah. Um, he really, really thinks he's a horse. Now, is he a horse? I, I doubt it. <laughs> But, oh, God. but it has stuck in my mind for years now. And I've asked people, hey, did you hear that Jason the Horse show that time? And Jason the Horse, no, I've never heard that. And so I'll tell them the story and, you know, like Arlo Guthrie says, you know, five-part harmony. And- oh, my God, Alice's Restaurant. No, you didn't. <laughs> I knew I loved you guys. <laughs> and some people will listen and they'll say, oh, that's interesting. But I've Kill. never had... Uh, (laughs) i'm not tired (laughs) no we're not tired (laughs) or tired (laughs) anyway he uh i've never found anybody who really wants to engage with me on the jason the horse topic and i have listen i've i've looked for jason i i i was thinking man if there's anybody out there i really want to interview it's jason the horse uh i can't find him i can't even find the jason the ian punnett interview on youtube Hmm. Um. So now that I've told the Jason the horse story, <laughs> well, it, where does that take the conversation? <laughs> it really depends on how serious you want to get with that. Well, I'm 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 serious. I mean, I that's lighter than the other topics. <laughs> I don't know for what I got to say. It'd be like, go ahead, <laughs> JJ. <laughs> oh no, that is the first time I have ever heard that story. And it is so on point for an Art Bell episode. It's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. Well, I- I'm looking on. I'm looking on. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay, there's a one minute fifty one second. Art Bell, or no, Ian Punnett video on YouTube. Jason the Talking Horse. East of the Rockies, Mark, on Coast to Coast Live for Jason the Horse. Mark? Good evening, fellas. Evening to you. Oh, evening, John. Hey, I had a question for Jason. Um, I've... I've formerly lived in Virginia, and I'm aware, as I'm sure you all are, of uh, a, a harvest of wild horses that takes place off Chincoteague Island every year. And I just wondered what Jason's opinion was of that. Of harvesting the the wild horses, bringing them into captivity? Yeah, they actually swim them over. Right. And, yep. And then they're auctioned, basically. Uh, Jason? Well, it doesn't bother me as long as they go to good homes, but... I'm, and again, I'm, I don't like speaking for wild horses, being a, a thoroughly domesticated equine myself, but I have never been crazy about the idea of wild horses. And if one day a decision was made to round up all of the wild Mustangs and adopt them out to good homes, I would, I myself would not share, I would not shed a tear of nostalgia at, at quote, another piece of the old West going away, you know, or dying away. But I, but again, not being a wild horse myself, I really don't feel qualified to speak for them because there are horses who would prefer to be wild. I'm not one of them, but uh, uh, for those who seem to like it, I say, well, leave them as they are. Well, perhaps we can get a wild horse coming up in the weeks ahead to answer that question more thoroughly. Mark, uh, Jed, I'm afraid we ran out of time to uh, get to your question. Uh, 
But uh, you want to give out the email address again for people to contact you. Perhaps uh, Jed can follow up to you okay. directly. Go, go ahead. Okay. It's black-shire at, at hotmail.com. You the main man. I look forward to hearing from you. Right. In the meantime, deus te amat. And I do too. That was the only clip I could find of Jason speaking to Ian Punnett. But you can tell just in that that he was, there was no irony in what he was saying. He wasn't joking. He wasn't trying to shine anybody on, as they say. He was just talking about himself. I also always liked the way that Ian Punnett signed off that show. Deus te amat, and so do I. Meaning, God loves you, and so do I. Somebody play the Jeopardy music. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. I have found a, a web page. <clears throat> you found a what? I found a web page talking about it. Let, 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 let me just, let's, let's switch streams. Let me just read from this web page. Okay, this is from a web page called Stranger Dimensions. This is Jason the Horse. You see a horse in human form. Uh, <laughs> while cruising the internet the other day, I came up on a study about horses. It's nothing too extraordinary. Scientists found that horses relate human facial expressions and voices to perceive human, human emotions, just like dogs do. However, while reading that study, I couldn't help but think back to an old guest on Coast to Coast AM, someone I had thought, hadn't thought about in a long time, Jason the horse. A horse is a horse or is it? Jason Wentworth appeared on Coast to Coast AM with Ian Punnett. On June 20th, 2009, and again on December 18th, 2010, he claimed to be a horse that had reincarnated into human form. Simply put, Jason believed he was a horse trapped in a human body. He longed for the day he could return to his life on four hooves and live again the equine existence he enjoyed so much during his previous incarnations. As Ian Punnett once said, Jason was probably the number one guest that people asked him about. It's difficult to believe, sure, but Jason always came across as a very laid-back kind of person, and he was forthright in answering the questions. He also had that air of John Teeter's, I don't care if you believe me, going on. Even if you didn't believe him, his story, you couldn't help but listen. But listen, that's because it was a very strange indeed. So it keeps this just goes on for a few more pages, but at least somebody else is talking about Jason the Horse. Well, I guess Mr. Ed is the opposite, right? <laughs> <laughs> a horse is a horse, of course, of course. Of course. But that if you. It reminds me of the. I forget the exact name of the movie, but in the 80s, uh, Bobcat Goldthwait started oh, yeah. a movie. Uh, Off to the Races, I think maybe it was. Something it like was that. Actually, it was a good movie, actually. It was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've got one more paragraph that is worth reading. Um, Jason claimed there were actually many other humans like him who were truly horses in spirit. He wanted to help them, perhaps as part of his mission. So he self-published the book, What If You Are a Horse in Human Form? It's sort of a guide for other equine souls trapped in human bodies. So I'm looking for that book. I, I might have to as well. 
<laughs> Seems to me like if you can find the book and trace it back to him, you can get your interview. I can, if he's still alive. Yeah. I mean, it this, is on Amazon for seventeen ninety five in paperback. <sighs> the really? author is Jason, Jason the Horse. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> that is the Are author. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my you god. Go. You know, I, I, I feel bad about <clears throat> laughing about the guy because he was very sincere. I mean, he was very, very. He didn't come across like I'm. I'm trying to make a joke. I'm trying to, uh, you know, shine you on or anything like that. It was just, yeah, this is a strange story. But uh, I'm a horse. Now, guys, I just want to go ahead and go on record right now. Oh, somebody's got a doggy. <laughs> yeah, I do. Oh, well, I got three, so don't worry about it. Uh, I'm going to spend the rest of my night YouTubing and looking up on the internet, Jason the doggone horse. <laughs> okay. Um, Father Birdsong, you are the guest of honor. Is, is there anything that you would like to say in bringing this show to a close? Well, well, first and foremost, I love the conversation. And, well, we and, love having you here. We appreciate absolutely. it more than we could say. And, uh, and, and, and JJ and the rest of you guys, the, the one thing that you're going to find out about me is when I say I love you, I mean it. And I love you guys. I mean, the, the conversation is very informative. I appreciate it very much. And, and the word that we live in, we're so, where everybody's so offended. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. and, and to have a conversation like this, when, when someone disagrees and brings the truth, I appreciate that very much. And, uh, and I just love it. And I hope you guys, bring me back i would love to be a part of every one of these conversations <laughs> i mean i mean i love it and uh um i just bless you guys in the power of the almighty god father son and holy spirit and uh, if there's anything that i could ever do to help you guys anything to talk about i'm here uh josh is here and well the rest of you guys will find out like JJ, Josh is my right hand man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I appreciate it very much. And JJ has my information. He has my email and, uh, maybe one night we can all gather together in Thomason, Georgia and listen to Pink Floyd. Thanks again for listening to the paranormal rundown. We hope you enjoyed the conversation with our first guest. I know that we did. I am certain we will have father Birdsong back again in a future episode. Please join us next week for our first new episode of 2023, where our guest will be Anna Maria Manello, author of multiple paranormal books and someone who has had several experiences of her own. We will cover some fascinating stories, including some from her latest book, The Night Visitants, based on true memoirs that intertwine stories of both alien abduction and activity around a haunted pistol from World War II. We look forward to seeing you then.